All right, guys. Morning. I, uh, I'm not sure if it's good or bad to be preaching after a finance, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you don't know, Thursday was American Thanksgiving, and on the way to school um, with uh, Annie, I was asking her what she was thankful for, and within, uh, you know, one of her top two or three was actually that she was thankful for our church family. And um, that, yeah, to me that was just, uh, just a, such an amazing, at five years old, that she sees the delight and the incredible uh, impact community can have. And so I just want to start out by, be, by thank, thanking you guys, thanking you for loving our family in a way that makes my five-year-old understand um, the love of the Father and the love that we should show one another. Um, and so, if you guys know me, you know that I like to read quite a bit, and I have, uh, I read quite a, a bit of, a little bit of that and a little bit of that, this, and um, I read something recently that I felt like was really helpful and uh, applicable to what we've been talking about. Um, there's a theologian, a pastor named Jonathan Pennington, and uh, I really appreciate his writing and the way that he's able to articulate things. And, and he was saying that he's, he's done a bit of an experiment in his classes, right? He's, he's asked those that he's teaching, he said, well, what is the first word that comes to your mind when I say the word humanity? And, and he says that the most often that word is actually sinful. And, and he says, yeah, that, that is accurate. We are, that's true. We are sinful people. And, and he says, and, and actually that's, that's core to our gospel, right? We, we need rescue. We need to, to um, someone to, to we, we're, we need rescue from our own sinfulness. But he, he goes on to say that, um, that actually, he's not sure it should be the primary way, the primary descriptor of humanity, particularly from the view of God. And what he says, it should be up on the screen, what he says was, I would recommend that sinful is an appropriate second word to say about humanity. The first reaction word, according to the Bible's vision, should actually be loved. And think about that, the difference between sinful and loved, both true, but actually what the Bible says throughout, whether it says it directly or not, is that we are loved. There is a God that is pursuing us and go, willing to go to great lengths to be in relationship with us. And I, and I think that's what Paul has been kind of, kind of get at. Um, over the last couple weeks and actually even a few months ago when he, he talked about the Father's love. And, and knowing this about ourselves, that we are primarily loved by a good Father is so important, right? It shapes the way that we respond to God, it shapes the way that we think about ourselves, and it shapes the way that we interact with one another. And last Sunday, Paul asked the question, you know, how do we respond to the, to the love of the Father? How do we respond when we know that we are loved? 
And he showed that our response is belief. And this belief is actually given to us by the Spirit. The Spirit breathes faith into our souls and our eyes are open to the beauty of our Father. And so then, what now? Surely if we know this to be true about ourselves, if we know that at the core of who we are that we are loved, then that should change the way that we live. If this is a love as amazing as we say it is, surely our lives have to change in some way. And so the question that I wanna ask today and answer is, how shall now we live? How shall we now live? And so our passage that we're going to camp out in is 1 John 4, 7 through 13. And so let me just read it quickly. Should be um, on the screen, yeah. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And so one John was written to refute some false teachers that have entered the church. And it lays out clearly the evidence of what it means to look or to have a saving faith in Christ. And if you didn't pick it up already, one of those characteristics is love, right? John, in, in this passage, John says three times, love one another. And, and we're here when he's talking about love one another, he's, he's talking about those of, us, um, those of us that are believers. He's telling us and explaining that we as believers should love one another. Yes, the Bible, we, you know that the Bible in other places says we're to love our neighbor, right? And if you didn't know, that your neighbor's everyone. And then Jesus in other places says, you know, that we must love our enemies. But particularly here, John is talking about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's only echoing what Jesus has said in other places, right? In John th uh, 13, 35, um, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So John is highlighting that the evidence of being a disciple was just, as, just a follower of Christ, is that we love each other. And through this passage, he then unpacks this love that we are to have, what it looks like, but also why. Why is it so important that we would love one another? What are the reasons that he gives, the motivations for us of why we should love one another? And so we're gonna unpack that and we're gonna take a look. So let's look at the first one in verse seven to eight. Dear friends, let us love one another 
because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So in verse seven, right, he's, he's calling us, he's encouraging us, come on guys, let us love one another. And he he's grounds it in God's nature, his character, right? In verse eight, it says God is love. And this is a statement that we've heard before, and we can forget how actually amazing that it is. He's not saying that God is loving, He's saying that God is love. That's who he is, that's fundamental. And everything that he does comes from a place of love and is done in love, whether it feels like it or not. And John is telling us who God is and that love comes from God and and God is love and that as we love one another, we can be assured that we are born of God and know God. It's an assurance to us. So loving one another is evidence of our being a child of God. And that actually makes a lot of sense because you know, children often reflect their parents. You know, we expect it. So if you guys know my daughter, you might see Annie in her sparkling, glittery dress and wonder, How does she come from Riley? But then, but then she'll open her mouth and you'll hear it, oh yes, yes, that's Riley, she's very American. (laughs) She reflects me in that way. And the Bible says that we are adopted into God's family as we put our trust in his saving work. And so it only makes sense that we would reflect who our father is particularly because we were actually made to be his image bearers. But so often, because of sin, that reflection is often clouded by our own sinfulness and our own selfishness. But God, which isn't that one of the most amazing phrases? But God, through salvation, is intent on restoring us into who we were meant to be. And friends, we were meant to be those that love. We were meant to love, that's how we were made. And we were meant to look like our Father. And so we love one another because we look more and more like our loving Father as we grow and mature in our faith. And so he mentions again in verse nine through 11, this phrase, love one another. So God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. So in verse 11, in verse 11, John uses much stronger language, right? Before he's saying, come on guys, let's, let's he's encouraging, right? He's saying, come, let's love one another. And here he's saying, we must love one another and in certain Um, In other translations, it says ought to and should. 
And there's many of us that don't like this strong language. We don't like being told what to do, especially when it talks about who we're supposed to love, right? Who can tell me who I should love? At least I bristle a bit. Um, But actually, sometimes we need a gauge. We need a gauge for how we understand something. And that's what John is giving us here. He's giving us a gauge to look at ourselves, to take a hard look and say, do we actually understand the love of God? Because if we do, if we understand and we experience and we know this amazing love of God, the only response there is, is to love. And to love others in the same way God loves us. So John is saying that the evidence of experiencing and knowing God's love is loving one another. It's loving those that God loves. So how has God revealed his love? What is love anyway, right? In our culture, um, we use the word love kind of indiscriminately, right? So I love Stefan, my husband. I love Annie. I really, like, I really love food. And I, I was a soccer player, so I'm loving that the World Cup was on. There's been a few really awesome uh, uh, um, upsets, thank you. Uh, really awesome upsets, and I've loved it, right? We kind of use this word. Surely my love for my husband and my love of a sporting event can't be the same. I assure you that it's not. but at least I hope that it's not. And the world often equates love kind of with this warm, fuzzy feeling, something makes you feel good or you're excited about. You can fall in and out of love. We have a whole holiday that celebrates romantic love. Thankfully, not, it's not quite as big here as it is in the States. Um, And the way we can often use the word love, it can feel like a choice of convenience. Is it convenient for me to love you? And I get to choose how I love you, right? But as we saw in verse seven through eight, God is love. He's the origin of love. He's the one that gets to define what love is. Not us, not the culture around us. And in verse nine, as we read, God has revealed love to us. And he goes on to describe the saving work of Christ. So God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what is this love that we're being called to? Because it says, if God loved us in this way, it's calling us to love the same. And so there's probably more, but I'm gonna highlight three things, three things that that define love. So the first one, it is active and initiating, right? God moves towards us. He doesn't wait for us to come to him. He doesn't even wait for us to become lovable. He moves towards us. He sent his son to live and die. His love is active, it's not passive. And ours needs to be as well. 
Are you actively moving towards people that are difficult, that are different than you? Or are you kind of waiting? Oh, if they come, maybe, maybe I'll love them. God's love is active. So the second one is costly and sacrificial. God sent his only son to die the death we deserved. Right, the son that he had, he had enjoyed perfect fellowship from all of eternity. The son he loved more than anything else. God's love was costly. It was uncomfortable. It was sacrificial, right? We talk about the cross as God's sacrifice. And so real love is sacrificial. It's gonna cost us something. Are you willing to take your time, your talents, your treasures, possibly even your reputation, move towards people to love them? Because that's how God has loved us. And so the third one, it's freely given. So God does not say if you do X, Y, Z, so some of my Americanness is gone, X, Y, Z, then I will rescue you. No, he sees our greatest need and he meets it. He doesn't look for the benefit of himself. He doesn't assess the situation and think, okay, what am I gonna get out of it? What can I? No, there's no strings attached. Think about it, that's even silly to think about. He is the creator. We have no benefit to him. We are no benefit to him. And he says he gives his love freely. So I have to admit, of these three, this is the one that's hardest for me. Because although I'd like to not admit it, but often there's some strings attached to my love. There might be a little bitterness when I don't get anything reciprocated. Guys, that's not giving your love freely. And so we are called to love each other in an active, initiating way, in a sacrificial way, and to give it freely. So in verses nine through 11, John is grounding our love for one another in what God has done for us. And as we meditate and think and remember all God has done to be in relationship with us, to rescue us, to make us his own, it changes us. It compels us into people that love those that God loves. Because the thing is, yes, I, I, I am very aware that God loves me, that he died to rescue me but the reality is that he loves everyone else like that. Even the annoying guy in your life group, not my life group, my life group is perfect, but yours for sure. <laughs> but think about that most difficult person, the person that is hard to love, to like, let alone love. God loves him or her. And if my perfect father loves them, God, so should I, so should you. 
But, guys, I have to be changed to love like this. I, to love that person, to love anyone. You know, we just describe the kind of love that is actually impossible in and of ourselves. And God is calling us to it. You know, left to my own, I could never love like this. I might be able to do it occasionally, and even that's giving me a little credit. But the beautiful thing is that God is in the process of transforming us. His love is transformative. It's powerful. And it transforms even the most hardened heart. God will not command us to do something that he is not going to empower and change us to do. God is a loving father that wants us to grow into maturity. And this passage is telling us that the mark of Christian maturity is love. So we love one another because God's love revealed through the cross transforms us into those that love like God loves and those that love who God loves. And there's one more time that John uses the phrase love one another and it's in verse 12. So no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Right, so this is the one as I've kind of studied this passage that I've just been really amazed by. And, um, but when I first read the first part of verse 12, it kind of seemed out of place, right? But it, this is not actually the first time that John writes, no one has seen God. So in John 1.18, it says, no one has ever seen God. So the same phrase, the only God who is at the Father's side, he, we speak about Jesus here, has made him known. So what this verse is saying is that the coming of Christ has made God known. So God who first, who first revealed himself in Jesus is now revealing himself in his people when we love one another. So God's love is seen in our love because our love for one another is actually his love imparted to us by his, by his spirit. But John goes even further. So not only does God reveal his love through us, his people, but his love is made complete in us. And what does that mean? So is God's love somehow lacking something? Well, surely not, because we just read that God is love, and God, love comes from God. And so there's nothing lacking or deficient in God's love. But the idea John is trying to communicate is that we, as we love one another, God's love reaches its purpose or it completes its goal. And so what is the goal of God's love? So let's look to see what God has shown us. So in John 3:16, I'm sure we could all probably repeat it together. So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Since God's love is revealed through the sending of, his, of Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins and rebellion, the penalty that has kept us from being in relationship with God, and he did that so that those of us who believe that have put our hope and trust in the death and resurrection of Christ and spiritually live and become children of God. The goal of God's love then is salvation and adoption into the family of God. But as we read other places in, in, in the New Testament, throughout the New Testament, that salvation doesn't just stop at the, uh, at the moment of conversion. Actually, God is transforming us and he's restoring us to who we were created to be. We grow into the image of Christ, as it says in Ephesians 4. So if you want to use, you know, kind of theological words, the goal or purpose of God's love is our justification, our sanctification, and eventually our glorification. But not just as individuals. Right, so we often, so often make it very individualistic. But he is making a community of people that live out his kingdom. He's making a community of people that lives out his kingdom. That's why so often we are, there's so many one another's. And that's because God is forming a community. We can't one another one another if we're not together. And this is where this has amazed me. What John then is saying is that when we love one another, we get to participate in what God is doing in the world. We get to be the vehicle God uses to complete his work. I do, you do, but not individually, not me on my own or you over there, you and Jesus. It requires us to be together to live corporately. So as I step into the lives of those around me and sacrificially love them, through the power of the Spirit, God's love is being completed. I'm, I'm maturing. I'm increasingly looking more like my Father. And the person I am loving is experiencing God's love in tangible ways. You guys know that, right? You've experienced it. When someone has loved you in ways that seem impossible, God's love is confirmed for you. I can look at throughout my Christian life and I, I can almost always say that when God's love has become more real and more tangible, it's through his people. And this in itself is amazing, but there's something else at work going on. So as we, as Christians, we love one another, we reveal the transforming love of God to those around us that do not yet know Christ. The love described earlier, right, initiating and active, sacrificial and costly and freely given, guys, that's countercultural. That is not what's the norm. And it's not just the way that we love, it's who we love. We love indiscriminately. Whether you like me, whether you agree with me, we love. 
And all you have to do is read the news to know that that is not how the world loves. And if that is the norm amongst us, people will notice. Through our love for one another, we get to be a picture of the kingdom of God. And actually, that, that is not correct. We are not a picture. We get to be the kingdom of God now, here. We get it to live it out for those around us, that they can see who this Father that we, that we worship is. And I truly believe that many will come to know and experience the Father's love for themselves through the way that we love one another. So uh, kind of an example of how this kind of has worked its way out in my life. Um, long time ago, I lived in California and I was moving, God had called me to kind of a significant move in my life and I had uh, packed my car with, I was in my 20s, so basically everything I owned fit in my car. And then um, I went and um, around the corner, a friend stayed the night. And in the morning, my car and all my possessions were gone. And I just remember thinking, God, what, you know, you've called me to something new, like what's going on? Like, I, I was just kind of amazed and, and not in a good way, amazed. And it was incredible the way that my community I mean, this was 20 years ago, and it still brings tears to my eyes that they rallied around me and loved me. Guys, I think I ended up better after. <laughs> Gift cards, people I didn't even know. And a family in my church, um, they gave me a car. And it was a, an older car they were planning on selling, but taking that money, investing it in something new, and they sacrificed that so that I could have a car. And that's a car I drove for the next like eight years until I moved here. So I got to experience the Father's love through my brothers and sisters. They grew into the image of Christ. And I mean, I couldn't help but tell all my friends about it. And my friends that that don't understand and they actually, you know, question some of the, my decisions of, of, of as I follow what I think the Lord is doing, they were amazed. They're like, who gives a car to someone? I was getting uh, things from people I didn't even know and my friends could not believe they got to see a picture of the kingdom at work. This, friends, is how God is seen and how God's love is made complete in us. This is the abundant life that Jesus has called us to. So often we, we describe and we we're question what is the abundant life? It's being able to, as a community, live out the kingdom. Live who, as who we were supposed to be in front of a watching world. So I hope you are seeing that our love for one another that John is exhorting us to is a response and a reflection of God himself.
and what he has and is doing in us and in the world. You know, it is a response of gratitude. That is true. But it goes so much further. God, our loving Father, is actually changing us into those that love like he does. He is changing us into the people we were made to be. And so my love for you and your love for me has more to do with God and his ability to love than mine or yours and your ability to love. And so if this is something God is doing in us, what is our response? What is our response to this? And so I would suggest a couple things. I would say the first one is that we need to start by taking a hard look at our lives. Are we in a position to love and be loved like that, like this? Are you dipping in on Sundays, but then you have no other Christian community outside of Sunday mornings? Are you, are you allowing yourself to know, be known, and are you getting to know others? Because we have a very high value in this church of being real and authentic, right? That means being vulnerable with your lives. That means asking good questions. So we have to be in community to be able to, to work this out. And that gets messy sometimes. And it also means that you need to move into the lives of, of people that are sometimes hard. And guess what? You're hard. We all are. And then the other one is that I think the other response is that we test our hearts. So John wrote this for our assurance. In 1 John, he lays out evidences of true relationship, a true relationship with Christ and true maturity. And he highlights love as one of the hallmarks of what it looks like to be a Christian. So he isn't saying we must love, then we are a Christian. He is saying that when we come into a real saving relationship with Christ, we will love one another. It's just the natural response. So this, don't think of this as a test as if you fail or you know, you're, if you pass, you're in, if you fail, you're out. But it's actually a real heart check of do I have evidence of the work of Christ? Now this does not mean that you have to do this perfectly, right? We're on a, a, a journey of being sanctified, of being to, made into the image of Christ. But do you see growth in this area of sacrificial love? The truth is that I am still very selfish and I fail in this so often, but I recognize it and I repent faster than I used to and more often. And I see growth in the way that I love people. And so yeah, I'm not where I would like to be when it comes to loving others and loving you. But there's so, such a joy to see the work that God has done in me. 
And so when we test our hearts, it can be a place of real delight and joy in seeing, God, you are at work in me. And so, friends, are you in a place that you're in relationship with others that you can love one another? I would, if you're not, get plugged into a life group. You know, start spending a little bit of extra time after church to get to know people. Invite people into your home. And then go before the Lord and say, God, show me. Show me where, you're sh- show me where I'm growing. And when you see the ways that maybe you're not living up, you ask the Lord. He is a good father that loves to good, give good gifts. And we can go before our Father and say, God, I see where you've changed me. Would you change me more? And that's our response. So let me pray for us. And after I pray, Stephen's going to come up and give communion. Father, thank you that you have called us to something beautiful. Father, thank you that, that you have gone before us and shown us what it means to love. Father, thank you that we are truly loved, that we are your children, and that gives us so much confidence to love others. Thank you for, our, for your spirit that changes us and makes us people that love those that you love. God, thank you that we are a people that love the way that you love. Father, help us. Help us love each other more. Fill us with your spirit that we would see needs and meet them. That we would initiate and and move into one another's lives. God, help us to give us, give our, to sacrifice freely. And help us to love with no strings attached. God, we're so grateful that you have loved us this way. Help us to love one another that way. And Lord, would we see people come to know you because of it. In your son's precious name, amen.